Police use of deadly force is rare. Scrutiny has risen. So first looking at his credentials, his credibility here, Jim Glennon, a retired third generation law enforcement officer, is the owner of Calibre Press and the Street Survival Seminar for Police Training. Okay. So he was a law enforcement officer. Um, he owns a press. I'm not sure if what is that a magazine or what, I don't know. And he does street survival seminars for police training. So he's got some skills in that, in that area anyway. So let's see what he says. It's hard to find any justification for the shooting of Walter Scott, especially when the video the world is viewing shows the officer dropping his taser next to Scott after radioing. Shots fired and the subject is down. He took my taser. There's no quarrel with the outrage over what this officer did, but it is not an indication of widespread issues with how the almost 800,000 law enforcement officers throughout the United States use force. And the stats more than bear that out. Statistically, officer use of force has been low for many years. We don't train near adequately enough or sometimes even in the right ways, but we rarely use force. The FBI looks at use of force from many perspectives and the statistics are available to prove that in the majority of the cases where force would be an option, officers now avoid it. But as Mark Twain said, there are three kinds of lies, lies, damned lies, and statistics. FBI stats won't sway the naysayer, but officer use of force is definitely infrequent. YouTube-inspired outrage only exacerbates, makes worse, the difficult task of balancing personal safety and public protection for cops who care. What is up, however, is viewing videos of actual police incidents by the general public. These videos, after years of watching Law & Order, NCIS, and TJ Hooker reruns, present quite a contrast to expectations and skewed paradigms. Skewed paradigms are like, paradigms are way of, uh, kind of ways of looking at reality and skewed is like off balance, off kilter. Um, so off balance ways of looking at reality. Reality often isn't as pretty or neat as Hollywood would imply. So cops become cartoons, not people. To many, we're buffoons and thugs and racists, and anyone can confirm these biases with simple Google searches that create worlds that don't exist. But living in the cop world for over 30 years has proved to me unequivocally, unequivocally that the vast majority of those in law enforcement are honorable, unequivocally meaning undisputable. It's just a fact. The vast majority of those in law enforcement and law enforcement are honorable people. But almost all of them got into this profession because they wanted to help people. They live in the world that everyone else avoids, a world of mayhem, tragedy, senseless violence, and unspeakable, uncaring by segments of the wider society. I train cops for a living. In our training, we show videos too, dozens and dozens of videos depicting officers being murdered during, during routine encounters with nonviolent or unarmed subjects. 
Those same videos never seem to make national news or cause violent protests. And the toughest part of this job is the balance, trying to balance safety while under the kind of stress most people will never experience is incredibly difficult and it's not getting any easier. This now routine default of impugning law enforcement, impugning means like uh, saying bad things about with bias labels, racist, jackbooted thug and worse is disingenuous. It's like, is, is not real. It's dangerous and cheap in this age of YouTube-inspired outrage. Walter Scott's death should end public's denial of police victimization of blacks. So on to his credibility here. Walter Katz, a former public defender, was part of a task force that challenged convictions in cases brought by corrupt Los Angeles police officers in the Ramparts case. He's a member of the National Association for Civilian Oversight of Law Enforcement and has been a part of the Office of Independent Review, monitoring the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. So when you look at his look at his credibility, what are what characteristics, what things did he do, what are what are his credentials, so to speak, that um, give him believability because of what he knows for the reading of this article. So circle that stuff. There's a phenomenon in the United States which most of the public is unwilling or unable to fully acknowledge. The killings by police of unarmed black men and boys is akin to climate change. It means it's kind of like climate change for many Seemingly, no evidence will convince them that there is a relationship between race and police violence. The justifiably outraged reaction to the apparent murder of Walter Scott suggests that the denial may be finally wearing off. Now is the time to confront that denial and ask whether the reforms that are typically called for, reforms or changes um, in policies, that the reforms that are typically called for are sufficient, they're enough to combat or to fight an obvious disparate impact on black Americans. So you've got a lot of people that feel that there is no connection between race and police violence. And then you have that total outrage reaction to the apparent murder of Walter Scott, that people are outraged at that. And then those that go, there is no relationship between race and police violence. That's the, the, the weird impact um, on black Americans is talking about there. So the shooting made clear that some cops lie and think they can get away with murder. And the victims are disparately, and that's black, um, over, overridingly or mostly could be kind of a way to look at that black. For years, Black Americans and their allies have been saying that officers are killing Blacks with impunity. Um, and you know what that is from Romeo and Juliet, with impunity, without any, any, um, without with being able to get away with it, without any consequences. The common reaction is to dissect each fatal encounter and explain what the deceased did to justify being killed. 
this allowed the majority of the public to sort of disengage from the conversation, not take part in it, kind of stay away from it, just kind of put it in a box somewhere, put it away and write off each death as the person who died, the deceased, the person who's died's fault. It's their fault. <clears throat> so what the shooting of Walter Scott tore off was any pretense of a legal justification that he was posing an imminent threat to officer Michael T. Slager. So his shooting kind of pulled, pulled apart that whole idea of uh, disengaging from what's going on and just kind of going, well, it's the fault of the person that was killed because it overwhelmingly seemed that it was the officer killed that black man. So what's still missing is any evidence of racial motivation. The circumstantial evidence though is strong because each questionable death seems to occur when the civilian is black or brown, be it on a North New York city sidewalk, the back corner of a suburban Walmart or park in Cleveland or a field in South Carolina. The recent president's task force on 21st century policing addressed racial bias and recommended better collection of demographic data of police encounters and the racial composition of police departments and the adoption of policies prohibiting racial profiling. So racial profiling is looking at a particular race and from that determining that they are a risk. They're, they're like sort of like that enemy, so to speak, in that one article. Um, and this kind of harkens back to yesterday's article from the one gal about that need for much more comprehensive demographic data, more data on these police encounters <clears throat> to have a much better picture of what's going on. So those recommendations from the task force um, have to be expanded upon and implemented. So he's saying first and foremost, the dearth, that means like the tons and tons of data that's out there surrounding the lethal use of force must be eliminated. Lawmakers have to force police departments to adopt a culture of transparency where a range of data, including the use of force, traffic stops and complaints are made public. That's transparency so you can see it. Second, de-escalation tactics must also always precede the use of force. So they need to de-escalate before using force. Try to do something first to get things to kind of calm down, so to speak. The current legal justification for using both lethal and non-lethal force is very broad. So as long as an as officer can demonstrate that he feared an imminent threat of harm, and it appears reasonable, he is not subject, subject to any discipline for the use of force. It's just like us in our homes. We can defend ourselves in our homes, defend ourselves if we are in fear for our lives. And if we're in fear for our lives and a person is trying to kill us and we kill them instead, we won't be charged for murder because we were in fear of our lives and they were trying to kill us, kind of a thing. So third, addressing implicit bias through training may not be enough. That's that bias that's within people. What the Department of Justice investigation of Ferguson, Missouri clearly showed is that the bias can be very explicit. 
you, it's there, it's out there, it's seeable, hearable. Departments have to adopt zero tolerance for racial bias and dishonesty and remove any officers from their forces when racial motivations or lying is uncovered. And then finally, investigations of deadly force incidents must be far more robust, meaning robust meaning like much more complete and comprehensive, looking at lots more than just sort of letting, you know, sweeping the crumbs under the rug. So in far too many troubling shootings, investigators are not willing to ask the officers the tough questions they would ask in any other homicide that did not involve cops, but instead let them off the hook with softball questions. So there are no easy answers, but the killing of Walter Scott demonstrates once and for all that some cops lie and murder and think they can get away with it. As long as the public was in denial that that approach worked, when the public wasn't really involved involved in what was going on and, and um, whatnot, um, it worked to get away with murder and lie. Now the burden is on all of us, police departments and their political leadership to say enough is enough. And as we've read and seen some things, other things that um, the media, the cameras that the cops care, carry, and uh, people taking videos and whatnot, um, it's much more readily apparent what's going on in some circumstances out there.